Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Pneumococcal vaccines have been instrumental in decreasing invasive disease since their introduction in the 1980s. 2021 brought regulatory changes, and recent ACIP recommendations were published in the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, also known as MMWR. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director with the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. Today, I'm joined by my Vizient colleague, Dr. John Schoen, Senior Clinical Manager of Evidence-Based Medicine and Drug Information. He's back today to discuss updates on the pneumococcal vaccines, including the ACIP recommendations. John leads infectious diseases within CPPE and has been heavily involved in developing various vaccine resources. Welcome back, John. Thanks, Gretchen. Glad to be back. What's new since the last time you were on the podcast in March of 22? There's been a couple of big updates with pneumococcal vaccines since the last time I was on the podcast to discuss this topic. There's been new recommendations for the use of the newer vaccines in adults, specifically with PCV20. And both PCV20 and PCV15 have been expanded to include use in pediatric patients. Now, if you recall on the podcast in March of 2022, I mostly focused on the new approvals for both vaccines at the time, which were specifically in adults. And if listeners are interested in information on the details around those initial approvals, including a deeper dive into disease background, the clinical trials, I'd encourage you to go check out that podcast. In terms of today, I want to focus on the updates that have happened since that time. In adults, starting in October 2022, there was an ACIP meeting where they added three new recommendations for PCV20. However, these recommendations were not published in the MMWR until September this year. The published recommendations include clarifying language in addition to new recommendations from the CDC that did not go to ACIP for a full vote. The other main update is in pediatrics. PCV15, which is Vaxnuvance, and PCV20, which is Prevnar, have been expanded to include pediatric use. PCV15 was the first of these vaccines to receive expansion into pediatrics, which occurred in June of last year, where both the FDA labeling was expanded to include pediatric patients alongside the ACIP meeting in June of 2022, where they issued recommendations for PCV15 alongside PCV13 as an option. Those initial recommendations did not specify a preference for the use of PCV15 over PCV13. This has changed in terms of where these new vaccines fall in place of therapy. But at the time, last year, PCV15 was put forward as an option alongside PCV13. And then those recommendations from last year, specifically for PCV15 and pediatrics, were published in the MMWR in September of last year. This year, PCV20 also received an expansion into pediatrics in April for its FDA labeling. And then at the June ACIP meeting, recommendations were put forward to recommend PCV20 in pediatric patients. And then those recommendations were subsequently published in September of this year the MMWR, and these recommendations address both the use of PCV15 and PCV20 in pediatric patients and include clarifying language around the recommendations discussed at the ACIP meeting, as well as new recommendations and guidance from CDC. Thanks for catching us up. Lots of activities since we last spoke. What has changed with the adult recommendations? ACIP voted to add three new recommendations specifically for the use of PCV20 in adults. Essentially, two of these recommendations are aimed at providing PCV20 as an option or an alternative to PBSV23 in adults with certain medical conditions. 
starting with adults 19 to 64 who have immunocompromising conditions, who have received both PCV13 and PPSV23, but have not yet received that recommended repeat PPSV23 at five years, PCV20 may be used in place of that second PPSV23 dose as an alternative. So either or there. And then in adults 19 to 64 who have received only PCV13, who would be recommended to receive PPSV23 in accordance with previous recommendations. This includes your immunocompromised patients, patients with CSF leak, cochlear implants, that grouping of patients. They can receive PCV20 or PPSV23, an alternative or an option to PPSV23. The thing to note, and what's interesting about this recommendation is it goes on within the MMWR to clarify that if PPSV23 is chosen in immunocompromised patients, then they still are recommended to get that PPSV23 five years later. However, if they get the PCV20, that is not the case. If you elect to give PCV20, you're basically done. But if you choose to go PPSV23, in that situation, you still would need to give that additional PPSV23 vaccine five years later, or alternatively, you could do that third dose with the PCV20. Probably the easiest thing in this scenario would be to do the PCV20 and be done, but you still are able to do the PPSV23 vaccine if you prefer to go that route, or it makes sense to do so, or supply limitations would exist. Additionally, in patients that have these conditions, so immunocompromising conditions, CSF leak, cochlear implant, when they are 65 and older, if they have never received PCV20, then they also can receive PCV20 in place of that recommended PPSV23 vaccine. Essentially, these set of recommendations really focus on providing PCV20 as an alternative to PPSV23 in select scenarios for patients with certain medical conditions. And then the last recommendation or the new recommendation here is a shared clinical decision-making recommendation around the use of PCV20 and specifically in adults greater than or equal to 65 years of age. And this is for patients who have completed their vaccine series, who have had PCV13 at any age and also received PPSV23. PSV23 at or after age 65. These patients would have previously otherwise been considered to have completed their pneumococcal vaccines, but the clinical decision-making recommendation is that these patients can be considered to also go on to receive PCV20, even if they have received that PPSV23 vaccine after the age of 65, depending on risk factors and a discussion with their provider as to whether or not that would be clinically appropriate for that patient. And if that is done, the recommendation is to give that PCV20 vaccine vaccine at least five years after the last dose of the pneumococcal vaccine, whether that be their last dose of PCV13 or PPSV23. I understand the approach of the shared clinical decision making, but it does give me a little bit of concern about potential insurance coverage with some of the other vaccines that we've seen in adults and those recommendations come out of ACIP. You had mentioned new recommendations from CDC as well as published recommendations for adults. Tell me a little bit more about that. In the MMWR, they touch on the recommendations that went to a full vote by ACIP at that June 2022 meeting. However, in addition to those recommendations, CDC also provides additional guidance and further clarification on some of the previous recommendations. One of the points of clarification and guidance that is provided is around adults who have received only PPSV23. If they have not yet received PCV15, then the language in that guidance states that that they have the option to receive either PCV15 or PCV20 at least a year following the last dose of PPSV23. 
the original set of recommendations came out, really laid out two sets of pathways for these new vaccines, whether it be PCV20 or PCV15 followed by PPSV23. But this recommendation makes it clear that in patients that started off with PPSV23, that they have the option to receive either PCV15 or PCV20. This was a recommendation that was touched on in the January 2022 MMWR when these vaccines first came out and the initial set of recommendations were issued, but this is just some additional clarifying language in the most recent September 2023 MMWR. Also, there was some clarification provided around the intervals with PCV15. The general recommendation when PCV15 is used is to give PCV15 followed by PPSV23 at least a year later. However, the clarification is that in certain situations, which include adults with immunocompromising conditions, CSF leaks, or cochlear implants, a minimum interval of at least eight weeks can be considered. And the rationale here is to just reduce the risk for IPDC serotypes that are unique to PPSV23 or the time to risk for those serotypes. This is another recommendation that was addressed in the previous January 2022 MMWR, but received additional clarification in the September 2023 MMWR. A new recommendation and previously a clinical scenario which was somewhat uncertain are for adults that have previously received PCV7 during their pediatric immunization series. So PCV7 was the first PCV vaccine to be approved back in 2000. There are some young adults now that could have received PCV7 as part of their childhood immunization series that might be indicated for some of these newer vaccines. And the challenge before was the language in the initial set of recommendations recommendations was to use these pneumococcal vaccines, these new PCV vaccines in PCV naive adults. So technically speaking, if they've received a PCV7, they're not PCV naive. So the question was what to do in these patients. CDC came out and clarified that adults who previously received the PCV7 only either as a child or inadvertently as adult should follow the ACIP recommendations that are consistent with individuals who have not received any pneumococcal vaccines. If you receive PCV7 in the past, that can essentially be disregarded and and just treat the patient as if they have not received any pneumococcal vaccines and follow recommendations that are appropriate for that particular patient. Uh, additionally, CDC also addressed some recommendations for adults who previously received PCV13 only or both PCV13 and PPSV23 who have certain chronic medical conditions. So this is a different carve out. Previously, I was talking about patients specifically with immunocompromising conditions, CSF leaks and cochlear implants. This is those grouping of patients that have chronic medical conditions chronic lung disease, chronic kidney disease, etc. So slightly different set of recommendations in this group. Within this group, adults age 19 to 64 who have these chronic medical conditions who previously received PCV13 only, they are recommended to receive either a single dose of PCV20 or PPSV23 at least a year after PCV13. These adults were not recommended to receive PCV13 under previous recommendations. They were only recommended to receive PPSV23. But the new recommendations are to say that the simplified recommendations would recommend PCV20 as an option in these patients. And so it's either getting that PPSV23 or getting them the PCV20. And in adults aged 19 to 64 who have these chronic medical conditions who have previously received PCV13 and PPSV23, again, a situation in which they would have received more pneumococcal vaccines than would have been recommended. Again, only that PPSV23 would have been recommended. But in the situation in which they receive both PCV13 and PPSV23, they are not recommended to receive any additional pneumococcal vaccines prior to the age of 65. And finally, the last piece of additional guidance provided by the CDC in this most recent MMW 
MWR is for adults that have received a hematopoietic stem cell transplant. They outline the specific regimens that are recommended for the pneumococcal vaccines in these patients. The preferred regimen or recommended pneumococcal vaccine schedule is to receive three doses of the PCV20 vaccine, four weeks apart, starting three to six months after the hematopoietic stem cell transplant. And then a fourth dose of PCV20 is recommended at least six months after the third dose of PCV20 or at least 12 months after the transplant, whichever is later. If the pneumococcal vaccine series was started in these patients with either PCV13 or PCV15, then that series can be completed by using PCV20 for the remaining doses. Repeat or extra doses are not needed. You just complete that four-dose series with PCV20. If PCV20 is not available, then three doses of PCV15 followed by PPSV23 12 months after the transplant can be administered. And then in cases with patients that have Graffer's host disease, a fourth dose of PCV15 can replace that PPSV23 because these patients are less likely to respond to that PPSV vaccine. What's notable about this recommendation is that it does imply a preference for PCV20 over PCV15 in this population, only really recommending that PCV15 regimen when PCV20 is not available. It's encouraging to see some of those points clarified in subsequent MMWR issues since it's apparent that there's a lot of complexity and potential confusion with this. Moving on to our younger patients, what are some of the recommendations for pneumococcal vaccines in pediatrics? Both of these vaccines, PCV15 and PCV20, are now recommended for pediatrics and essentially all the same indications in which you would previously consider using PCV13. In the most recent MMWR, specifically for pediatric patients that also was released in September of this year, they outline those different populations and the recommendations from ACIP. So this includes all children aged 2 to 23 months who have not received a PCV vaccine. They can receive either PCV PCV15 or PCV20 according to the currently recommended PCV dosing and schedules, which would include the four-dose series as well as catch-up vaccination. This also includes children aged 24 to 71 months with an incomplete vaccination status. They are recommended to receive either PCV15 or PCV20 according to currently recommended PCV dosing and schedules. They also address children who have risk conditions. So for children that are aged 2 to 18 years who have completed a PCV series before the age of 6, if the recommended doses were completed with at least one dose of PCV20, no additional doses are needed. However, if the recommended PCV doses were completed with only PCV13 or PCV15, then either one dose of PCV20 or a dose of PPSV23 is recommended at least eight weeks following PCV15 or PCV13 to complete that series. In the case of immunocompromised children, when PPSV23 is used in place of PCV20, then either PCV20 or a second dose of PPSV23 is recommended five years later after that PPSV23 dose. Similar to the case with immunocompromised adults, when you have that recommendation to follow up the PCV by PPSV23, if you elect to do the PPSV23, you are then going to need to do that additional PPSV23 or PCV23. PCV20, or alternatively, just do the PCV20 and simplify it and cut out one of those additional pneumococcal vaccines. 
And then for children who are aged 6 to 18 years with any risk condition who have not received any dose of PCV vaccine, a single dose of PCV15 or PCV20 is recommended. When PCV15 is used, it should be followed by PPSV23 at least eight weeks after the last dose of the PCV vaccine, if not previously given. Sticking with this population, CDC issued new recommendations for pediatric patients in addition to those recommendations that were voted on by ACIP. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So just like for adults, this MMWR for pediatric patients outlines the recommendations that went to the ACIP for a full vote, but it also includes additional guidance from CDC on some additional areas, including clarifying language and some new recommendations. One of the things that is discussed is a preference for PCV15 or PCV20. As I mentioned, when PCV15 was first recommended, it was recommended as an option alongside PCV13 without preference. But now that PCV20 is also approved for use in pediatrics, it's clear that the recommendation is really steering you towards selecting either PCV15 or PCV20 in preference to PCV13. And this is evident by the recommendation within that MMWR that states that if only PCV13 is available when the child is scheduled to receive the PCV vaccine, then PCV13 may be given as previously recommended. So only in cases in which PCV15 or PCV20 are not available, would it be recommended to start someone on a vaccine series with PCV13? Interchangeability is also addressed. Previously, interchangeability between PCV13 and PCV15 was addressed, but now with PCV20, that interchangeability is also mentioned. So if a series was started previously with PCV13, that child may complete the series with either PCV15 or PCV20 without the need to give additional doses, and the series does not need to be restarted. There was also some clarification provided for healthy children aged 24 to 59 months who completed the recommended PCV vaccine series with PCV13. In these cases, a supplemental dose of PCV15 or PCV20 is not indicated. So these children are good to go if they were otherwise healthy and completed their series with that four doses of PCV13. Clarification was also provided for children 6 to 18 years with a risk condition who have received PCV13 only at or after 6 years of age. In these cases, either a dose of PCV20 or a dose of PPSV23 is recommended at least 8 weeks after the last dose of PCV13. Again, in this situation, in patients who have an immunocompromising condition, you're presented with that scenario where if you choose PPSV23, then five years later, you would need to give a second dose of PPSV23 or PCV20. Or alternatively, if you elected to just follow that PCV13 by PCV20, then you would again be done. PCV20 as your second dose makes it a more simple recommendation in that case. And then finally, the last piece of additional guidance provided in pediatrics is for hematopoietic stem cell transplant. The recommendation and the recommended schedule is the same as it is for adults, and they just outline it for children as well. So it's that four-dose series of PCV20 is the preferred regimen. These recommendations update the recommendations from the September 2022 MMWR, where they put forward a regimen for the use of PCV15 and PPSV23. But based on the current language, it is now clear that PCV20 is the preferred regimen, the four-dose series with PCV20 in this population when it is available. Definitely appreciate those clarifications for our pediatric patients. John, with these updates, what's the area of biggest risk moving forward in your opinion? 
it comes down to just the complexity of these recommendations. I'm really not sure if there's another vaccine out there right now that really has more complicated recommendations than the pneumococcal vaccines. It is a result of the fact that we're in this challenging transition period where we still have some of the older vaccines and people have started or just completed their vaccine series with PCV13 and PPSV23. And you also have the recommendations and the availability for PCV15 and PCV20 that are coming out. And these recommendations are evolving and changing and being expanded into new populations. And you're really just left with this situation where you have multiple different scenarios, the need to be familiar with past and current guidelines across four different vaccines, be aware of the different medical conditions and age ranges that are all inputs into different algorithms that go down the pathway of trying to decide which of these vaccines to administer. I'd imagine this would be something that would be very challenging for frontline healthcare providers when they have a patient coming in, trying to assess if they need a pneumococcal vaccine and if they do, which one to actually give. There's definitely some room for error here in deciding which of these vaccines to administer. Hopefully, there may be some opportunities to leverage clinical decision support or AI to optimize EHR to help guide this decision process. But ultimately, those inputs are only possible if that information is available. And you, know, you don't always know what vaccine the patient actually got in the past. In addition to that, the recommendations are constantly evolving right now. And so that would also be something that would need to be maintained and updated frequently for the time being. My hope is that even though we're in this messy transition period right now where we have two of the older vaccines available and these two new PCV vaccines available, that we will eventually get to a point where we can start phasing out some of the older vaccines and just be left with these newer vaccines. Because ultimately, some of the recommendations, particularly the initial recommendations when those PCV vaccines were approved by ACIP, the goal was to try to simplify this. And I think we're moving to that point right now. It's going the other way where everything is more complicated just because we have both sets of recommendations and all the vaccines available that we're trying to navigate. Hopefully in the future, we will be able to start phasing out some of those older ones and just be left with these newer ones, and it'll be a lot more straightforward. Unfortunately, that is not really the situation we find ourselves in right now with these vaccines. That's a great summary of the challenges that we're seeing in this space. And I completely agree with you about the hopefulness around some of those electronic AI, EHR, clinical decision support tools, being able to assist frontline clinicians with this. But you're right, they're only as good as the information we're putting into them in terms of what the patient has received, getting that information, as well as if the guidelines are current and up to date in those tools. So what are we looking at for the future? We're probably going to start seeing some phasing out of the older vaccines. And we also have some new higher valent PCV vaccines on the horizon. I suspect that with the full approval of PCV20 and pediatrics now, we will probably see phasing out of PCV13. Both of these vaccines are from the same manufacturer. And just as PCV7 was from the same manufacturer. And when PCV13 was approved in 2010, we saw a phasing out of PCV7. Now that PCV20 has that full approval across pediatric and adults, I suspect that we will eventually start seeing a phasing out of PCV13, similar to what was seen with PCV7 when PCV13 was approved. 
Additionally, a new PCV21 vaccine from the same manufacturer that is producing the PCV15 vaccine is expected to have its BLA or biologic license application submitted by the end of this year with approval expected in the first half of 2024. With that, this is also the same manufacturer who produces that PPSV23 vaccine. So once that higher valent PCV vaccine becomes available, I also wonder if down the road, we'll eventually see a phasing out of that PPSV23 vaccine and be left with deciding between two of the higher PCV vaccines, which would greatly simplify the recommendations with pneumococcal vaccines going forward. And then longer term in the pipeline, there's even higher valent PCV vaccines that are in different stages of clinical studies. So there's a PCV23 vaccine that's currently in phase three trials and a PCV24 vaccine that's in phase two trials. Even more change coming down the pipeline. But ultimately, the direction I see this headed in is getting to a point where we're basically just having these higher valent PCV vaccines eventually, and it's just going to be selecting between one or the other. John, thanks so much for joining us today to share your perspective. I'm so glad you could be here. Thanks, Gretchen. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening.